You're listening to the ModernDogTrainer.net podcast, bringing you the best industry tips and topics for professional dog trainers worldwide. Now here are your hosts, Ines Gachot and Kat Camplin. Hi there, welcome to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. I'm Ines McNeil, founder of the Modern Dog Trainer blog. And I'm Kat Camplin, contributor to the blog and co-host of the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. Uh, show notes can be found at themoderndogtrainer.net. Please add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Modern Trainer and on Facebook. Awesome. So in this episode, we are uh, talking to Molly Sumridge. Uh, she's our very first repeat guest on the show. Um, and last time we talked to her about some new things that were happening at the IAABC. Um, but today we're actually diving into her kind of new specialty, uh, helping dog trainers with compassion fatigue. Welcome, Molly. Hey, guys. <laughs> my voice. I just got over the flu. Um, not everything's caught up yet, but yeah, so you're going to enjoy me a little bit of a froggy voice. Today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you start out by explaining what compassion yeah. fatigue is? I mean, is it the same as burnout? Is there a difference? Sure, actually, and there is. Um, it's a big misunderstanding, I think, in this industry and in general, um, sort of what is compassion fatigue, what is burnout. So um, compassion fatigue in its simplest form is empathic depletion is probably the easiest way I can put it. It's when you are not emotionally depleted necessarily, because that can be for lots of different reasons, but strictly empathically, when you just can't care about people or yourself or things like that anymore. So you know, to clarify, burnout is being functionally depleted. So you can't do one more call back. You can't answer one more email. You really can't stand another hour of bookkeeping. You're basically, um, you're overtasked with tasks. That's burnout. But when you are compassion fatigued, you're struggling more emotionally. Um, it's deeper. Uh, symptoms can be similar in some ways. For instance, both can show behavioral symptoms such as depression, anxiety, frustration, anger. But compassion fatigue really also exhibits symptoms like loss of sense of humor, anger directed at people or animals, especially colleagues and clients. Um, it doesn't have to be anger. It can be pretty extreme apathy, too, where you're just like, ugh. You know, why can't this person get with the program? And it's not one client. You start to feel that way about all clients. Um, you also could be triggered or start to have intrusive thoughts following you around throughout the day, um, increased negativity, um, and sometimes turning to substances or escapes that become unhealthy. So it's, it's an emotional turn of events versus sort of an occupational turn of events, if that makes sense. It does. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and why is that important for dog trainers to become aware of? Well, what most people hear about compassion fatigue, it's pretty, well, it's pretty cut and dry. You'll hear the symptoms. And if you think you are struggling, you probably are. Um, it's a severely under-recognized um, problem in most helper fields, including social work, teaching, counseling, home health aides, etc., but it's actually worse in our fields because nobody talks about it. Um, it plagues dog trainers, veterinarians, shelter workers, and even people who do like pet hospice or pet sitting. Um, so anyone who works in, in doing helping for a living probably is struggling from some form of exposure to stress and trauma. And it's usually the most talented and most empathic people in our fields. 
So the best of the best are probably struggling the hardest. And because they shine, we don't think that anybody has any problems. Um, for most, it will lead to them quitting the industry, unfortunately. Um, and for others, it leads to mental or physical health breakdown and crisis. And in the deepest tragedies, it leads to suicide. Um, suicide in this industry is actually very high compared to its human counterparts. And that is likely attributed to compassion fatigue. Wow. That's amazing. So it, it does. It, it steals so many amazing professionals from our field, from the veterinary field. Um, some call it an epidemic. And it's just not talked about because in our field, you know, we're helpers. We are driven to do things for others. We want to improve the lives of animals and the lives of owners. And that's our drive. That's, you know, that's our single focus. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to turn that camera around and start thinking about ourselves. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we are so at risk. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah. Have you guys ever felt like you've struggled? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, not to know, put you on the spot, but that actually just like, popped in my head. You know, you know, one of, one of my hardest things, and, and um, I decided I had some downtime, so I decided to start going through some photographs and like calling out the blurry ones and just sort of making some space on a hard drive. And I was going through and looking at all these wonderful dogs that I don't get to see anymore. You yeah. know, it's like mm -hmm. your package, you, you connect with the people and the humans and oftentimes we're not even on the Christmas card list. You know, they just yeah. disappear from right. our lives. So I think that's really a hard part of our profession, right? Yeah. It's a short period of time. You really connect really strongly and then they disappear. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. There's some, there's some un, unresolved things there. Um, especially if it was a hard case and maybe they just disappeared. You don't know how that was resolved. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I said, when you take empathy, you put yourself in that person's shoes. And if yeah. it's traumatic, so if it's a behavior case, if it's frustrating, you know, you want to do your best by being in that person's shoes and really connecting on an empathic level. And when you do that, you do little bits of damage to yourself because you are traumatizing yourself. That's what people don't understand. Wow. Compassion fatigue is also called vicarious trauma or secondary trauma disorder. It actually has those names because you are willingly, because you're empathic, taking on some of that trauma that that person has experienced. And that's what we don't realize we do. If you're talented at this, if you really connect well, you are definitely exposing yourself to the trauma of your clients. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so do, do you, Ines, do you have compassion fatigue symptoms uh i mean after what she just said yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> and that's, i can't you know, the only one nothing to be it ashamed out. of no no yeah um <clears throat> absolutely um i, I mean and it's it's nothing to be ashamed of it's normal like i said it's the best and brightest the most talented and empathic in this field that struggle right. so if you struggle that's a good thing it means you're good at your job but it means you have to take care of yourself <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. And I think the the professional in me kind of pushes that way down and I haven't really thought of that before. Yeah. So on your website, absolutely. it says you're a certified compassion fatigue educator. Um, can you explain kind of what that is and what's involved with that? Sure. So let me first start out by saying that I am not a counselor or a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um 
my certification does not grant me any kind of counseling license or anything like that. I'm a coach, which means I create action plans for clients and no therapy takes place in the work that I do. Um, and in fact, I recommend that most clients, uh, if they are struggling with mental health symptoms, um, that they seek out and work with a therapist in conjunction with coaching. So let me just put that out there already because I don't want people to think mm -hmm. a compassion fatigue educator is in any way, shape, or form a therapist. They could be. Many therapists can, can gain this training, but it does not automatically equate therapy. Okay. So um, I am certified by the Green Cross, and they are an organization who teaches professionals of all walks of life about trauma. So it's about compassion fatigue and also about post-traumatic stress disorder because they actually are very similar in their effects on the brain and the individual and also how to help people who are struggling. So uh, the Green Cross is actually a really great organization. They go out to disasters and they help first responders and trauma victims on site. So they may be working with, they may go to Uganda and help, you know, women who have been accosted by terrorists or they may go to New Jersey and help people after a hurricane, or they may go to Haiti. And they are working both with the, the, um, the individuals who have been traumatized from the experience, but also they do a lot of work with first responders, with EMTs and police and military, and any individual who has been helping those who have needed help. And they use various techniques, um, things like EMDR, therapies, and also coaching um, to help these individuals who are struggling in the moment. Uh, so that's what the organization itself does. But the Compassion Fatigue Program is about teaching, one, the educator level is all about, you know, what is it? How does it affect the brain? What is it doing to people? Um, as well as, you know, what treatments make a difference? So that's sort of how that goes. And they have a very deep program that goes through multi-levels. And I've taken a bunch of them. And they are really good for people who are interested. Um, but... I do like to also add that there are so many programs out there and that their program is, it's a good baseline, but it is definitely a drop in the bucket for people who are interested in training to help people and, you know, and, and seek it as a good baseline resource and then take off from there. Awesome. So how are you using your certification to help dog trainers? Are you doing podcasts and talking to people? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Um, I, I come at this from a very multilateral approach. So I do a lot of podcasts. I do radio shows. Um, I do as much awareness on the topic as I can because um, for so many people, they don't even know it exists. Or it's a hot topic in videos, especially in the veterinary community for right now. It comes out in their newsletters and stuff. It's been out through IABC. You know, we talk about it. But it, there needs to be more noise. Anytime mm -hmm. that there's anything about mental health, it's taboo. Or, like we said, we're professionals. We can't let things affect us. Right. We forget that we are a working component of our businesses and the work we do. We forget that maybe we need to maintain ourselves in the process. So, um, so I do a lot of awareness. And then on top of that, um, I use, you know, the education I've received along with a significant study in positive psychology business coaching and mindfulness coaching and I do work eat both in workshops and one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching to help people be aware of how they're struggling and create these action plans to help them you know get where they want to be where they need to be um, I find the biggest factor in the work I do tends to be in building healthy boundaries with work um, and that's a combination of a lot of the compassion fatigue treatment 
mm-hmm. as well as business coaching. Um, a lot of people who get, I mean, you know, as I think, as you know, mm-hmm. most people who go into this field, I mean, you're an expert in this too, yeah. do not have any experience in business and they just want to <laughs> do what they want to do. Right. So the problem is, is that in doing that, you don't know how to structure your lifestyle or structure a business so that you can take time out for yourself or know when appropriately to talk to clients and work with clients and things like that. Like, Absolutely. I mean, I'm a perfect example. I came down with the flu. And as much as I had to disappoint a rescue and say, I'm sorry, I can't do an evaluation because I've got the flu, I had to. I had to stick to my guns and say, I can't come out. I'm sick. I'm going to do no good. Even if I could drive, I would do no good for you and your client, you know, you and your animal today. So it's a lot about personal responsibility. And that's hard for somebody that has no experience in business. And is just really good at working with animals. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think a lot yeah, of people so, come yeah. from like the rescue industry <laughs> where yeah. you know, you you go out at all hours of the day, you know, giving your heart and soul to animals and then they become dog trainers and kind of continue on that same path and it's it's not good for business, it's not good for your mental and emotional health. <laughs> you got it. I mean, one of the things I sort of want people to take from this is just like when you go and work with a, with a client's dog. I mean, for most dog trainers, you come at it from a multilateral approach. You say, okay, we're going to do training, but there's also management. And management is how are you going to change the lifestyle of the animal to make them successful? Well, I hate to break it to all the professionals listening to this tonight, but you're going to have to create a management plan for your business and for yourself in this field. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. You can't just go and do the training. Just like you can't just do the training with the animal. You know, it, it, it's the same thing. For the animal to be successful, they need a life management plan. And for you to be a successful professional, you need an action plan. You need a routine. You need boundaries. You need structure. And you need some techniques and exercise to um, keep yourself emotionally and empathically healthy so that you can do the work you do. So what does is, what is that look like? How do we... Well, I guess let me flip that around. So if, if okay. you're preventing if you're preventing compassion fatigue, is that a slightly different plan than if you already have it and you're trying to make it go away? Um, yes and no. So I will say that treatment for compassion fatigue is similar to prevention. However, treating um, the symptoms of compassion fatigue requires more more action. So, for instance, if I was somebody who was just creating an action plan for somebody who wanted to prevent compassion fatigue, who was just like, you know, with the holidays, I'm feeling a little tired. I don't want to lose what I do. I want to prevent it. I'm going to say, great, let's start off with a couple exercises, maybe some mindfulness training, maybe some resilience training, which usually looks like positive psychology exercises like gratitude, positive thinking, um, meditation, breathing, things that actually have an effect on the brain. But for those that are currently struggling, we have to do a much more active plan. That's going to be like X amount of hours of these tasks instead of one or two tasks here or there each day. So it's just more, more emphasis on the resiliency and the healing for somebody who's already struggling and really making changes versus a proactivity approach is going to be a broader plan making smaller adjustments. So it's easier if you do this proactively because instead we say, oh, let's make these two changes each week to your life. If you're struggling 
it may be, okay, I'm going to recommend that you cut your schedule in half and you spend that other half of the time working on yourself. Ouch. For somebody who's, yeah, that's what, that's the pain. <laughs> the worse you are, the more you have to pull back. So I, I don't want to do that to somebody. I don't want to say, hey, listen, you're only allowed to take two clients a day, four days a week. I don't want to say that to somebody. I want to say, hey, can we take 15 minutes out of your day and just practice these three exercises? So it's definitely worth it to start now if you're not struggling. But if you are struggling, get in now because it's just going to get worse and you're just going to have to give up more later. Because, I mean, unfortunately, the statistic is if you are significantly struggling with symptoms of compassion fatigue and or burnout, you will suffer from a medical crisis in the next calendar year. And that could be mental health or that could be physical health. I've, you know, worked with people that have gone through these crises during coaching because they weren't taking care of themselves. So if you don't stop for yourself now or slow down, your body will fail and you will be forced to. I mean, God, not that this had anything to do with compassion fatigue or, or burnout, but I broke my foot a year ago in the fall and I wasn't allowed to walk for three months. And my God, did that remind me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is what life is like when I have to take care of myself. So, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, you it will catch up with you one way or another. It's just better if you do it proactively. Wow, yeah. <coughs> so that makes, Excuse that makes me. a lot of sense. Yeah. I know, but it's scary, too, because you're like, oh, God, I don't I don't want to quit. I don't, I don't want to stop. You know, you're like, what? You know, it's scary. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, people, you know, especially in the dog industry, tend to overcommit themselves to a lot of different things. You know, clients, yeah. rescues, uh, you know, classes. It's just, it adds up really, really quickly. Yeah. I mean, you want to do it all. And we suck at saying no <laughs> because we think that every no is a lost, either lost revenue or possibly a lost life. Um, right. And for many, many really talented professionals, they may feel like they're an island where they're the only one in their region or area that can do the work they do. Absolutely. Um. And there's so many reasons not to ignore yourself, to not focus on this. And it's so easy to put yourself last. Remember, we can't say no to others, but the only consequence to saying yes to everyone is saying no to us. And nobody is going to get down on us for saying no to us. But there's only so many hours in a week. There's only so many hours in a day. So every yes to, you know, a, a client or a rescue or anything like that education you know a dog show whatever is still a no to ourselves yeah and eventually you're gonna have to catch up and pay yourself back somewhere your body is gonna demand that and it sucks when it catches up in an inconvenient time so I hope people mm -hmm. will consider just saying hey you know maybe there is something to this maybe if I just do you know, one or two exercises or join a positive group or something like that, I can, you know, I can start to create a better balance. Absolutely. And when it comes to business, I mean, if you want to build a business that's going to last for, you know, many years, possibly decades to mm -hmm. come, that's, you have to take care of yourself. That's the, the number one ingredient to that business. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm about to I meant to do this two months ago, but um, coaching coaching took that. See, even I'm having, we all struggle with this. Like, yeah. I think that's something people need to understand. This is not easy. This is not, um, like, there's no patented approach to this. This has not been mastered by anybody. 
Um, there are plenty of gurus out there that swear they know it, but I, I, I think that even they secretly have to like do this pretty regimented to, to be where they are. Yeah. But I have a blog series that's going to come out interviewing professionals to talk about how they've incorporated a lot of this stuff. Awesome. So I want people to realize that everyone does this. It's not that we're telling you you have to do these things because, you know, we're punishing you or you're not good enough. This needs to be understood as this is the level of professionalism. The standard of professionalism includes mindfulness, self-care, burnout, and compassion fatigue prevention. Like that, that is this huge important piece. Um, so. Nice. So, you know, a lot of our profession is sort of seasonal. Mm -hmm. um, we, we definitely have, you know, the puppy spike in January. And oh, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the, oh my gosh, the kids are off from school and the dog is driving them crazy in June. Mm -hmm. um, or the, oh my gosh, the separation anxiety because the kids went back to school in September. Um, yeah. So we're coming into a holiday season, which normally is slow, although I found the last couple of years it's actually gotten busier for me because the kids are off from school and suddenly everyone's a trainer. But, <laughs> you know, my dad died within the last two years. And so, oh, you know, a lot of the, the holiday stuff is emotional just from a personal point of view. But then you've got oh, like yeah. people that are like, I've got two weeks to fix my dog. So is this time of year a little bit harder for everybody or is it just my imagination? No, I mean, I think this year is hard for people as individuals just to start off with, not even professionally. We're juggling family. We're juggling post-election stress because I don't care who you voted for. You're already, you're, I don't, it doesn't matter. Everybody's miserable. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, and I've noticed that's actually had an impact on things. Uh, I mean, yes, this time of year is hard for you and it's hard for your clients. And, you know, on top of that, you're also juggling the schedule. It's not like April or August where you're working, you know, normally X amount of days a week on a basic schedule. You know, it's instead it's, oh, I have to cancel my kid has the flu or your dog trainer has the flu mm -hmm. like me. Or it's a case of, oh, I need you tomorrow because family's coming on Thursday. Like everybody's in chaos trying to make their lives work better or their lives to just get through the holiday. It is. It's just pure chaos. And I always find this time of year is you have to make time for you. You have to. Because otherwise, when spring comes around, you're going to be a mess. I don't think most people realize this, but statistically speaking, um, this is one of the number one times for crisis hotlines. And followed only by April, which is the highest suicide rate time. So it's not, you know, most people think it would be this time of year, but it's not. Most people are having crises right now because they don't know how to deal with their family or their job or anything like that. So your clients are having crises. You're having crises. Everyone's stressed out. So it's so imperative that you be mindful of your needs, mindful of your health, mindful of your business, and reach out. I mean, that's the hardest part. People are scared to say, I'm struggling. They think that that's going to make themselves look like a lesser of a professional. It doesn't. It makes you look like more of a professional. So yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely normal. And it's worth examining you know, where are you going to set your boundaries for yourself? Are you going to take a week off for the holiday and say, sorry, clients, I'm not going to help you? Or are you going to maybe take a little bit more time off here and there to make sure that you can help your clients, but you're looking after yourself, making sure your own needs are met? And something like you just said, you know, having a death in the family or any other trigger 
you know, your body has a memory. And if, you know, it's amazing. My father passed away in November over 10 years ago. And my body still remembers, you know, I'll start to feel really crappy. And I'll look at the calendar and go, son of a bitch, it's coming up on the, on the anniversary of my father passing away. So be kind to yourself and be acknowledging that, yeah, this is hard and I can take care of myself, that you don't need to ignore it, you don't need to power through it, that help is there and you should access it. So what does help look like? I'm assuming it's not just like, you know, posting on Facebook like, hey, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, it's really important <laughs> that you do um, seek out appropriate place avenues. Um, I've certainly gotten a lot of feedback in the last two months that social media is not always a safe place, and that's true. Um, but there are some social media outlets, and there's some internet outlets, and there's some phone outlets. Um, first thing is usually, you know, reach out to somebody you trust that you know personally, a colleague especially is helpful. Um, if that person doesn't exist, um, for instance, I have a Facebook group. Um, it's facebook.com slash group slash PP being human. Um, but it's the humanity and being pet professionals is the name if you search for it. And we talk about this stuff. It's a safe place um, to talk about how you might be struggling. Just be aware that we're going to give you suggestions and solutions. It's not just a place to vent. Um, there are hotlines. There's the suicide prevention hotline. They're a great group to talk to if you feel like you're in crisis and you just really don't know where to turn. Um, I'm going to look that up in a second. I can never remember it. Um, there's also a online chat tool called I am alive and they are an online crisis chat room. Basically you get a, a excuse me, a suicide and crisis prevention counselor who will talk to you and also help you find additional resources. Um, yeah, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255, available 24 hours a day. Never feel like you can't reach out if you are really struggling. <coughs> if you're only slightly struggling and you want to just talk to somebody, um, you know, some of the marketing groups are really helpful too to just say, hey, I'm feeling burned out and I don't know where to reach out. I'm available. I'm available on Facebook, Molly Sumridge. Um, I'm available through my website, mollysumridge.com. So these are accessible places. And there are more. There are Compassion Fatigue Awareness Groups online. There's a Compassion Fatigue Awareness Project. Um, Jessica Dolce has some great stuff on her website. Um, there's another counselor in, I want to say it's Michigan or Minnesota, um, she has a book called, I think it's called To Save a Starfish, which is about working on compassion fatigue. So depending on your way of helping yourself. So not everybody likes to reach out. There are workbooks. There are websites. There are chat rooms. There are phone numbers. There are Facebook groups. There are email people. There is something for everybody. The step is to be proactive. And I, what, what I ask anybody who contacts me, you know, who's struggling, I say, give it three tries. Try a phone number, try an online resource, and try a person you know. That's what I just asked them to promise me that. Try three resources and see who can help you. And, you know, nine times out of ten, there's somebody in those three networks that is going to be helpful to that person. Mm, excuse me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
I will be posting um, all of those links in the show notes as well on themoderndogtrainer.net, so um, don't have to go and Google all of those yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Is Molly doing a guest blog post for us, perchance, where she could also maybe list some things? <laughs> I don't think we've talked about it, but she's always welcome to. <laughs> I can. In her copious spare time. <laughs> No, no, but actually, I need a I need a kick in the butt to to get my writing out because I've been there. There you go. It's all balance, and I've been doing so much coaching. I haven't been doing as much writing. So yeah, there you go. Now I've got some accountability. Accountability <laughs> is a huge um, contributor to success. So I, I would definitely be open to that. Nice. I mean, you guys are awesome. I mean, all the info that comes from your resource, I send it to so many people because. There's a lot of junk out there. And again, we talk about this is not, you know, an industry that has a formula chiseled out. So right. I'm always grateful that you guys put out such good information. Oh, awesome. We appreciate that. All yeah. right. I think we've got, um, like, the information for people to reach out to you already. Um, mm -hmm. Any last uh, parting words or is that everything? Um, I guess my favorite saying that goes with any of this work is self-care isn't selfish. Mm. Um, if everybody took just 15 minutes out of every day for themselves, even if it was just to ask themselves, how am I feeling today? They could significantly change their lives. So seriously, just take 15 minutes for yourself. See if you can help yourself. And if you want to do more, I'm here. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us thank today. You. I think this is great. My pleasure. Thank you for putting up with my funny voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. Don't forget, you can check out the show notes at themoderndogtrainer.net slash podcast. You can also share your thoughts and support our podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time.